that we can come to your house. Lord, we don't have to ask or beg you for, to come because your promise says you're already here. So Lord, we welcome you in your house. We welcome you with thanksgiving, with praise. And we say, Father God, be glorified. Jesus, be glorified. Holy Spirit, be lifted high. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you that we enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. Now, God, be glorified in this house tonight. Come on, church, all over, let's worship. With
sing to him. He loves it. He inhabits it. Come on.
this room. He's here. There is none great. Christ our Savior. Come on, sing it. I'm declaring this all over North Georgia. Come on, we're declaring this all over North Georgia. We're just going to sing through that just one more time, just our voices. And we're going to make a proclamation that every demon in hell, every religious spirit in this region is going to take note that there's no one like our God, no one like our Savior. Come on. Let's sing it. Come on, sing it. No one like our God, there is none more able. Christ our Savior, great and glorious. There is no one high, no one greater, no one like our God. There is none more able. Christ our Savior, great and glorious. There is no one high, no one for us to do for the next 240 seconds four minutes I want us to take a posture of prayer and intercession over this area now listen to me we can come in here and we can worship and we can praise him and he loves that but outside the walls of this church there's an entire world that doesn't know him and I want us to pray and I want us to intercede, pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Spirit, pray with understanding, but I want us to pray for the next four minutes. And I want you to use your outside voice. Okay, we praised with our outside voice, now let us pray with our outside voice. Come on, can we, can we raise intercession that North Georgia experiences revival? from every church, from the Nazarene to the Baptist to the Methodist to the Pentecostal to the Apostolic to every church here and in between, every charismatic, every type church. Would you pray right now that revival would fall? Right now, pray.
Come on, keep praying, keep pressing in. 180 seconds left, come on. Pray for your loved ones and your friends. Come on, 120 seconds. We're going to finish strong right here. Come on, pray. Pray for your church. Pray for, pray for revival to hit every church. Come on, 60 seconds. Pray for your pastor. Let's pray for the pastors and their wives and their spouses. Right now, would you pray? They're under attack. Pray for the men and women of God in this area. seek your face. Oh, your glory. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Father. Father, every prodigal in this house Every unsaved person tonight will be saved. Every prodigal will come home. 
your glory fill this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's rise to our feet. precious tonight. I said, isn't he precious tonight? Come on, put your hands together. Magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want you just to greet about four or five people around you. Welcome them to the North Georgia Revival here at Christ Fellowship Church. Hug somebody's neck. Make them feel welcome tonight. So glad to see you this evening. All right, you may be seated in the house. Thank you so much for being here. God is already moving in the house. What a blessing it is to have all the pastors and of our, of our churches in this area. We thank God for you. If you are if you are a lead pastor of a church somewhere in well, anywhere, and for that matter, if you are a lead pastor, would you raise your hand and stand up? Let us see you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for being here. God bless you guys. Wow. What an honor it is to have you. We have people here right below Chattanooga, Tennessee, that drove up to, or drove down today. South Carolina. I'm glad you guys are here as well. Um, the presence of God is in this place. Pastor Don Allen is with us from the church at Warhill. What a blessing we're going to have. The Word of God's going to be preached. And we want to receive an offering tonight for the man of God and what the Lord is doing here at Christ Fellowship Church, the North Georgia Revival. And so we want you to prepare your offering. We want to give liberally. We want to be generous in our giving and to support what God is doing. I was awakened this week on Tuesday at 3.45 in the morning. And the Lord has been speaking to me in that first and second watch of the morning many times. I told Karen the other day, 
there are times that my body is shaking in the middle of the night. Not where the bed is, is jumping up and down, but inside I'm trembling. And the Lord will call me. And He's awakening me. I just know that tonight there is something incredibly on the docket of the Lord for our people, for this group of individuals. I can feel His presence so heavily right now upon me. And I want you to prepare yourself for the Word of God in just a moment. Pastor Don Allen has two books that I want to mention very quickly that are at the book table. I asked him to bring these to us so that we can have them. One of his books that is just filled with such incredible revelation and, and nuggets, Things I Never Want to Forget. I need you to go grab this book tonight at his table. The second book, probably my favorite, is Mark the Time. I've been using this everywhere, Pastor. I just want you to know. I tell people when Pastor Don starts preaching better sermons, so will I. Mark the time. God is moving instantly. What used to take a year now takes a month. What used to take a month is going to take a week. What used to take a week is going to take a day. A day is going to take an hour. An hour is going to take a minute. And a minute is going to take a second. God is moving expeditiously. I'm telling you quickly. Grab both of these books tonight. You'll be glad that you did. Praise the Lord. Let's receive our offering. Ushers, why don't you come forward? Where is Zach? Zach, where are you? Come here. Where are you, Zach? What you do? Do in a hurry. Where are you? Come on up here, Zach. This is Zach Petit. Zach, um, everybody welcome him, would you? Zach, tell us what happened. Uh, you were baptized a few weeks ago, obviously right over there. I remember it. And uh, the Lord came upon you and your family. Church, there's, there's something about these waters. The Lord spoke to me in January, I believe it was, of this year. He says, I'm going to baptize people with water and with fire. And we are seeing miracles. We are seeing people get filled with the Holy Ghost instantly. People repenting to one another confessing sin, getting right with God. One man stood up and said, I was drinking last night. I came into the building, fell under conviction. I want to get right with God. There's something about those waters that God is visiting people in those waters. I can't explain it other than what God showed me. I can't question His methods. Some people say, well, I've already been baptized. Why do I need to be baptized again? Well, you come to the altar more than once. Baptism is just an outward expression. I'm dying to self, and I'm going to live to Jesus. I'm starting all new. So, Zach, tell us a little bit about what you were diagnosed with about six or seven years ago. It was um, something I'd always dealt with my whole life. Uh, I was called Zone Out Boy, you know. But uh, it was ADD, really, not so much hyperactivity. I would just kind of get hyper-focused on things. But it helped. It helped, really had me um, in issues with school and stuff. I would get Bs instead of where I thought I should probably get it higher grades or whatever, but it was just something that, it kept me like in a fog, and I couldn't really go into 
like the deeper things. And this kind of followed me throughout my young adulthood. And, um, but it's something I just kind of like accepted, you know. And over the past like year, the Lord's been really been dealing with me about who I am in Jesus. And, you know, when you deal, when you start understanding who you really are, God starts opening up doors for you like you don't even believe. And so, um, you know, we were here about three weeks ago, and I was with my son and my daughter and my wife and my other two kids. I got three little ones, but they were with uh, Grandma. But we had come because we were really dealing with his fear and just him being, like, attached to us and everything and some other things. But my wife had been coming to Revival for a while, and she was like, I'm getting in that water. You're either coming or you're not, or, or we're not. I'm going without you, you know? So <laughs> I was like... All right, you know, like, I, I mean, I was excited just by her excitement. So um, long story short, we're, we're getting there, and, and, of course, my son gets scared. And I was like, all right, well, we'll just hang here. And then Rick came by, and he's like, come on, buddy, let's go. So we end up getting the scrubs on, and we get in there, and we're praying. And, and, and um, God, prayer warriors back there are amazing. They're praying stuff I was thinking. Like, that was, was a crazy thing. <laughs> and I wasn't even asking for it. So anyway, we get in the water, we get baptized, and, man, I got this, like, rush of just power shoot through me and I was just like got this word in my spirit it was like I'm going to restore the joy of your salvation come on church this is what I'm talking about we live in bad times and it's very depressing and we understand who he is and who we are in him sorry I'm, I'm getting excited but you know when you get that excitement in your soul it's like woo you know it's just so I'm not even thinking about my ADD I'm just like whatever I'm going to church I'm, I'm, I'm going to work trying to find somebody to like you know pour into and I'm, I'm getting about lunchtime. I'm like, I didn't take my medicine. I had to take medicine to stay focused and everything. I'm like, I didn't take my medicine. That's weird. I'm like, all right. Tuesday rolls around. I'm like, I'm not going to take it again. I'm just going to walk in this, you know, and getting things, getting things done, getting things done faster at work. And it's a very ha fast-paced thing, but I'm just like, I can get this done. No problem. Like, yeah, I understand that. Okay. And it's like, what is this? Like, I don't even get it. And so and I said to my wife, I was like, you don't have to take my medicine all week, right? And she's like, What? you have? I was like, no, I haven't. And she's like, oh, really? It's because, you know, that's another story. But yeah, so that was confirmation. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then it's like the goodness of God, you know, is what brings men to salvation, right? It's just the goodness of God. I wasn't even asking for this, and the Lord gave it to me. And that's just how good he is, right? Like church, I, we serve a good father, man. He just, he loves us so much. And, and I just, I just want to give him praise and just tell y'all, just speak life in you guys, like just understand like who he is. Like he's just, he's amazing. And He's a great God, and, and, and I'm just happy that we have a place like this, that we can come. It was free, to, and, and it's just the spirit is flowing, and, and, and we can meet God on a real level and just, and just get free. So thanks for giving me a chance. Yes, Zach. Come on. Let him know you appreciate. Now, that was three weeks ago. Have you had any of your medicine in three weeks? No, no. He's not been on medicine for three weeks. Completely normal. Completely normal. Come on, give God some praise right there. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what's in that water. I don't know. It's just Dawson County water. But I'm here to tell you when God spoke to me in January, I released that to my church and they have never heard me prophesy like that. And I spoke it in faith and had no idea about three months later it would come to fruition. We have had psoriasis melt off a man's body. We have people healed from their gastritis that they've taken medicine for for literally months, almost a year. 
sciatic nerves. We've had people cured of a water uh, ailment and disease and so forth. Cured, healed of the Lord. Miracle after miracle after miracle in our children's church. A foot straightened, scheduled for it was going to have surgery. Goes back to the doctor and the doctor says there's no need for you to have surgery anymore. Took her through a regimen of tests and running and hopping and jumping where there was no pain, where there was pain before. God is in this place tonight. How many of you ready to receive from him? Amen. So let's give. Let's give tonight. Let's give tonight. Stand to your feet. And as you give, I'm going to ask Karen to come and give a very brief announcements about Caneo, a ministry training center. Just remain standing for the next two minutes. Then Pastor Don will be coming to bring the word. Come on, Karen, if you would. Thank you so much. Guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ping off of something that Zach said tonight. Very quickly as we're receiving our offering, I don't want to take Pastor Don's time. But it's all about in knowing who you are in Christ and who he is in you. And that's one of the sole purposes of Canal Ministry Training Center. We are all about training the believer and training you for ministry, training you to co-labor in the things of God out in the marketplace, being prepared, being confident in who you are in Him out of His Word. And so I just want to invite you to visit the table as, uh, as you're heading out tonight, the Caneo Ministry Training Center table. Um, you can go online at caneomtc.com to register. We have two classes this year. If you've never had Caneo before, Caneo 1 is for you. Everybody else, Kingdom Now, that class is for you. Everything starts September the 11th for Caneo 1, September the 13th for Kingdom Now. Go online and register. All the information you need is there. Registration closes. It's a firm closing at midnight next Sunday night. Okay? So don't wait. Don't make me sweat. Oh, I don't know if they're going to sign up. Don't make me sweat. Go home tonight. Get online. Sign up. You don't have to pray about coming to know more about Jesus. You don't have to pray about, God, do I need to know more about your word? The answer is yes. Amen? So join us this fall and, and come to know more about who you are in Him. Amen? Thank you so much. All right. Who is here for the very first time tonight? Would you lift your hand? Who is here for the very first time? God bless. Man, look at the crowd. Are our friends back from Columbus, Georgia? Where's our friends from Columbus, Georgia? Drove up today uh, after their church service. Three hours to get here. God bless all of you dramatically touched last Sunday. All right, are you ready for the Word of God? Are you ready for your faith to be built tonight? I'm telling you, this water, baptism tonight is going to be open, spontaneous. Well, I didn't bring any goods. I didn't bring any extra clothes. We got you covered. A hundred pair of uh, scrubs for you, underwear for you, towels for you. You don't have to worry about it. Just come and die in the water and let Jesus resurrect you. I want you to welcome the man of God tonight for this hour, the pastor, the lead pastor at the church at War Hill, our friend, Pastor Don Allen. Come on, get, give God a praise tonight. Come on, lift up the name of Jesus. Why don't you celebrate? We had, I, I'm not even sure if it's eight or ten, but we had between eight and ten people give their life to Jesus Christ this morning over the church. Come on, celebrate that with me tonight. Amen. Amen. Ask somebody around you, are you alive before you're seated? Come on. Amen. 
Well, praise the Lord. God's good. God's good. Amen. Well, it's just such an honor to be here tonight. Can I say that I was questioning Pastor Todd's hearing from the Lord? Because I came a few weeks ago and heard Pastor Robbie Mathis preach. I said, I said, I know what you heard from God tonight, but I think you missed God about the upcoming night. Come on now. And then I came last week. I mean, I didn't get to come last week, but Lance Johnson preached to me personally his sermon. Come on, amen. And I, on the phone, and I said, my goodness, we are in trouble next Sunday night. But I tell you what, I'll obey God tonight if you will. I believe God wants to do something in this place. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your spirit. And I thank you for your goodness. God, we need you. We want you to show up. Lord, you ordained everyone that's here, everyone that's watching. You have ordained this time. We believe your word that you ordered the footsteps of the righteous. And you have brought us together. And Lord, we pray that you will speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to thank Pastor Todd again and Karen for allowing me to have the honor of being here. And thank you for letting me bring those, those books out there. I, I told Pastor Todd I wasn't sure I wanted to honor what was happening in the revival, but uh, as he asked me to bring those over, uh, let me just tell you just a, a little bit about my favorite chapter in that book. The things that I never want to forget is full of all kind of things, and I'm not real sure why people say what they say about that book, but here's what they say. They call me up and say, man, your book encouraged me so much. I said, well, thank you. How did it encourage you? I should stop asking because they say the same thing. They say, if God can use somebody like you, he can use anybody, Pastor. <laughs> and I said, well, I guess there's hope for all of us. Come on now. If God can use me, he can use you. I'll never forget the one chapter that, that Pastor Todd was speaking about. I was going through a bit of a hard time. I'd had a bad situation in ministry, and, and I had made a mistake, and I had had a bad hospital visit. And I didn't want to go to the hospital for quite a while, and, and we had an accident in our, our, our church, and there was a man who was uh, cutting with a uh, concrete saw. And he was cutting concrete with a concrete saw. And, and when he went down with that blade, the blade exploded, which is quite normal. But as that blade exploded, instead of it going the normal way the guard should have sent it, there wasn't a proper guard. And that, that blade went through his brain. I prayed for him from a distance. I prayed for him with the church. We put him on the prayer line. I prayed for him in every way that I knew how. But, but one day, his mama called me and said, you better get to the hospital. I said, well, we, well, you know, this pastor came and this elder came. She said, they are not my pastor. Now, I might be a foolish man, but you don't mess with a little short mama. Come on, amen. <laughs> so I made my way down to the hospital, and I walked into the intensive care waiting room. They said, no one can see him. She said, you don't understand. My pastor is here. He's going to pray for him. And I thought, well, I was almost out of this. They said we couldn't go in. She said, pastor, they said that the worst thing that could happen was that he come down with pneumonia. They have just came into the waiting room and told us that his pneumonia is so severe that they don't expect him to live, but you're going to go in there and pray for him and God's going to do something. 
We walked through the door. I don't know how she got him to open it, but she did. I walked into the room, and when I walked into the room, this man was laying there. Of course, his head was greatly uh, uh, damaged, and, uh, but the, the thing that caught my attention the most was that because of the pneumonia, because of the, the damage to his body, the fluids in his body had reached a level that it looked like his skin was about to split. As he lay there in that condition, I looked at him and I thought, he probably is already gone. He's probably already passed on from this world. And she looked at me and said, Pastor, lay hands on my son. And I thought, if I touch him, he will explode. She said, I said, lay hands on my son. And the only place that I felt safe laying hands on him was I reached out and grabbed hold of his big toe. Have you ever prayed for anybody by holding on to their big toe? I said, Lord, I pray now in the name of Jesus. And somewhere between those words and the next words, the Holy Spirit came into the room. Because as the Holy Spirit came into the room, I, I felt a, another gear. I call it the kachink moment. I felt another gear kick in. And when that other gear kicked in, I don't know why I said what I said, but I said this. I said, God, I pray that you will mark the time that we're in the room, that they will literally write it down and mark the time that we're in the room as the moment this man begins to recover. And I began to pray the rest of the prayer, and I left the room. He did not move. He didn't change, but I left the room. I drove home the next morning at 7 o'clock in the morning. I think it was 7.01 to be precise. The, my phone rings and, and, and I answer the phone. And when somebody calls at 7 o'clock in the morning, somebody better be dead. And I answered the phone. I'm expecting a death. And she says, Pastor, listen, I didn't want to call you before 7, so I waited till now. I said, what's going on? And I put on my preacher voice because now she's, she's going to need a funeral. And she said, they've marked the time, Pastor. I'm doing it just like she did. They've marked the time, Pastor. They've marked the time. I said, what are you talking about? She said, did you not listen to your own prayer? She said, they literally wrote on the chart the time that you and I were in the room that something shifted in his body. I don't know why I'm telling this story tonight. It is not in my sermon, but somebody needs to know God wants to mark your time tonight. Come on now. Amen. I would love to tell you that I'm a man of great faith, but, but I lacked faith on that day. And I drove all the way back down to the hospital. I walked into that waiting room. I said, I would like, his name was Robbie. I would like to see Robbie. And the nurse looked at me and said, I'm sorry, sir, he's no longer here. I said, he's died while I drove down here. I mean, I'm just telling you the truth. Pastors have faith struggles also. He's died on the drive down here. I missed whatever I was going to do this morning. Come on now. They said, no, he's not dead. They have moved him to a regular room. I'm thinking, he was about to explode yesterday. Now you have moved him in about 18 hours. You've moved him to a regular room. 
I walked into his room expecting to see them all huddled around the bed. When I walked into the room, Robbie wasn't laid down on the bed. He was sitting up on the bed with his leg up like this and said, come on in, Pastor. Come on in. Do you know what happened? When my lack of faith met a touch of the Holy Spirit, faith ignited in that place, and God did something. Now, let me tell you why I wrote another book about that chapter. I didn't come to preach my book, but it's working. <laughs> I wrote a book about it because miracles started happening when people started praying, God, mark the time. One day I walked into a room and this lady, many of you would know her, she's a teacher here in this county. My little brother married into the, the family. She came down with a brain tumor. She had had the brain surgery. They expected her to be awake within seven hours after the brain surgery. It had been seven days after the brain surgery and she was not awake. I walked into the room and they're from a very conservative background and, and, and I was a little nervous going into the room because I, I, I didn't want to embarrass my little brother. I didn't know what God was going to do. I just knew I needed to go into the room. As I went into the room, I did what you would normally do. I, I prayed with the family. I encouraged the family. And as I turned to leave to go out the door, something hit me. That, that ka-chink happened one more time. Can I tell you what I just... Just jumped. I believe somebody's going to have a kachink tonight. But something stirred inside of me again, and I turned around and I said, Can I tell you a testimony? And I told them the same testimony that I told you. And I looked at them, and, and they were like, well, Pastor, thank you for sharing that. And, and, they, and me being, just being as conservative, like I said, many of you would know uh, this family, the Harbin family here in this county. And, and they looked at me very conservatively and said, Pastor, thank you for sharing that. And, and the guys with me, we all started walking down to the parking garage. And in just a moment, my phone rang. And I looked down, and it was my little brother. And I said, oh, God, I have embarrassed my little brother. I have messed up I have been in there giving a word of prophecy to somebody that don't know what a word of prophecy is come on now and all of a sudden I answered that phone and he's screaming in the phone Don where are you I said I'm far away from you come on amen he said, no, where are you? are you? Are you gone yet? I said, I'm about to get in the car. He said, well, I need to tell you what happened. He said, the minute your foot stepped across the threshold of the door, she had not awakened after seven hours, after seven days. He said, but the minute you stepped out, she stirred, and now she's wide awake and interacting with everybody. God marked the time. And then he got more excited and he said, and the doctor doesn't know what to do. <laughs> he said, the doctor came here just shaking his head. And, and he said, what I didn't tell you, the doctor said, what I didn't tell you was she was not in a condition to awake. She was not in a situation to awake. So we had her forcibly in a coma and we hadn't told you why because we weren't going to tell you that yet until we had more clarity. He said, there is absolutely no reason she's awake, but for some reason she's awake. Now, can I tell you why? Because when you trust in God, God can move for you. God can do something supernatural. God can change your situation. God can bring healing if you will trust in God. How long did that take me? Because it ate into my preaching time. 
The last time I was here, I preached the shortest of any preacher you've had. I'm going to make up for it tonight. I want to bring you a message tonight entitled, We Don't Marry Dead People. You know why you're laughing? Because when something is so offensive to our senses, we don't know how to respond to it. We laugh naturally. But listen to this message. Father, I ask you for clarity in your word. You gave me this message for tonight. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Luke 24 and 5 reads like this. The women were terrified. There was nothing rational about this moment. I want you to realize this. The women were terrified and they bowed with their faces to the ground. The men asked, these are angelic beings, the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? What a moment. Do you know that I love to preach about science. I love to tell you why that, 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 that science cannot disprove the existence of God, but it seems like every revelation seems to reveal God in a more personable and, and, and real way. I love to show you throughout time and history how God has moved in spite of what's happened in all the generations. That I, that, I mean, that's who I, one of my favorite ways to preach is I, I like to go nerdy professor and just talk about science. I'm not going to do that tonight because when you talk about faith it has to step now what listen to me very carefully from the rational into the irrational now hold on with me some of you are going but pastor Don faith is rational there is nothing rational about building an ark in the middle of a desert there is nothing rational about looking into flames and saying, I don't care what you do, I'm going to serve God anyways. There was nothing rational that took those boys into that fiery furnace. There was nothing rational that caused one to be put in a den of lions. There was nothing rational that caused Peter to step out of the boat. Nothing rational because if they had spent all of that time trying to be rational then there would have never been the miracles we're preaching about thousands of years later. There is nothing rational about a group of churches getting together for six months in North Georgia, coming into this place, standing in a dark room, lifting our hands up toward heaven and crying, and there's nothing rational about it. You see, I believe that, that our faith is the only thing that makes sense. The Bible said it is the only reasonable service. It's the only reasonable thing to do. It's the only thing that when it all comes down to it that makes sense. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith means sometimes I can't figure out the why, but I have to realize that God's up to something. And the most irrational claim of all is that Jesus is alive. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, this, this irrational claim that, that there's a resurrected Savior. It doesn't, it doesn't work with, with who we are, that, that we can get the benefit of knowing Jesus and we can get the benefit of those things, but there's nothing rational about it. Here in this passage, I want to talk to you about these women who were told something irrational. 
they show up and, and imagine this moment. They show up at this tomb and, and, and they're told that Jesus is alive. And they, they're like, but you don't understand. We saw him dead. We saw them crucify him. We saw them shred his body. And as he came out carrying that, 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 that uh, cross beam, we saw him weakened in that form. We watched as they pierced his side. We know he's dead. But yet in an irrational form, they were asked to believe that this one that they had seen die was now alive. We know that some of these women immediately grab hold of that and they begin to run and they run all the way back to, to where the disciples are and then Peter and John run on ahead and, and then the disciples are running toward the tomb. But, but there's one of these women that doesn't run. She turns. She doesn't run from the tomb. She turns from the tomb because in that place there was a garden and somewhere in that garden she finds a spot and she sits down and when she sits down her mind is going back to the what she can hold on to. She doesn't know how to process the irrational. All she knows is what she can ra rationalize out of everything she's been through. You see, I know that last week Pastor uh, uh, Lance talked a little bit about uh, this woman and, and the moment of the price that she paid. But just, just a few weeks before this moment, before this uh, announcement, this woman had, had stumbled into a room with, with everyone looking at her, everyone questioning her motives. She had stumbled in and she had taken and she had broken th this precious ointment open and she had poured it upon the body of Jesus. Nothing rational about that moment. Nothing that made sense about that moment. But you have to go back just a little ways. You have to go back just a little further to understand that when Jesus encountered this woman, something changed. Something was different. We don't know a lot about her. It's speculated or we're told that seven demons were cast out of her. We don't know all of these things. We don't know all of these truths that somebody's even said that the price of, of the ointment that she brought was the price of her freedom that she had earned from prostitution. And, and she was saying, you're greater than even my own freedom. We don't know all the facts about her, but I have to speculate for just a moment why she would come in and give something so precious up to one like Jesus. Why would she come and pour it out upon our Lord? Why would she do the irrational in this moment and all of a sudden Jesus say it's the most rational thing that could be accomplished? I believe that the reason that she would come and do that is because on the day she met him, something changed in her. It didn't make sense. People didn't understand it. People couldn't figure out why. People didn't know what had changed in her, but something changed. Something shifted. You see, her life had not started out that way, but I can only imagine the pain that she had went through. And you see, with every pain, another layer of burial came upon her life. Maybe it was the first time somebody came into her room in the night as a little girl and hurt her and suddenly she was buried under shame and pain and questions maybe it was the first time not knowing how to rationalize that she somehow expressed the, those frustrated feelings and, and she went from becoming one that, that everybody looked at as an innocent child to, to becoming one that people would be weary of and would keep their sons away from but those that were lecherous would seek her out Maybe every time a man looked at her and saw 
this, this vulnerability and this, this pain in her life. They were drawn to that pain and they were drawn by their lust. And she had learned with every single glance to be buried further and further back into who she was. And before long, she was buried under so much pain and under so much grief. And I, I don't know if I'm preaching anybody that understands that tonight. But, but I, I understand where so many are. And as she's buried under all that pain, as she's buried under all that struggle, she begins to hear voices that help her deal with that. And before long, these voices are tormenting her just as much as all the pain and the struggle. But one day, I don't know where and I don't know how, but one day, Jesus walked into her world. And when Jesus walked into her world, all of a sudden, when he looked at her, it was not lust that she felt, but it was love that consumed her. It was not darkness that overcome her, but the light of Jesus Christ began to break through the darkness into who she was. And suddenly, what had buried her began to be peeled away and she found life. That's why she would bring her precious gift, crack it open upon his feet. He would say everywhere this gospel is preached and tonight it's being, it's being proclaimed what she has done all to the ends of time all over this world. This gift that she's given, what was the most irrational moment and, and it didn't make sense, suddenly became what we all desire to do to pour our love out upon Jesus. And I know that on that day, she married him in her heart, not in her body, not in a wedding, but she said, I will follow him to the ends of the earth. She left that place, did whatever was necessary to, 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 to wrap up loose ends, and she became probably one of those ones who followed along and cared for them and, and took care of them. And, and, and we know that at points there was up to 120 women that were following along uh, uh, there with that that group and they were they were giving and some were even supporting and all these different different ones that were a part of this and she joined this group and suddenly she's alive Suddenly everything has changed. She no longer is buried under sin and shame, but she's standing in, in victory and she's proud of who she's becoming and she's growing. And then one day, all she knows is that in one single night, everything has changed. The one who changed her has been chained. He's been dragged before a tribunal and, and, and he's judged and he's condemned and she's walked behind as he's carried the cross and, and she's probably there with, 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 when Jesus says if they'll do this in the green what, to the greenwood what will they do in the dry she hears him as he cries as they nail his hands and feet to a cross she hears his moan of agony. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then with utter terror, she sees him breathe his last. Here is why I'm sharing this story with you. Because she, at that moment, would not abandon the one who had given her hope. She would be married to him in her heart for the rest of her life. I truly believe that she followed all the way to the tomb. She followed so she would know where they were going to lay him. She followed so she could watch and see where they would lay him because every morning, if it meant for the rest of her life, she would come back and she would sit there and remember what was. 
She would remember what had happened. She would remember that this is the one that gave her love. She would remember that this is the one who changed her life. She would remember she would go back there every single morning. Pastor Don, why are you talking about this? Because she was so married to what was, she was about to miss what God was doing. Listen to me. As she hears this word, why? What a message of hope. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is risen just as he said. Instead of hearing the hope in that moment, instead she is so overwhelmed because when they buried him, all of that old junk came back on her. But all she knows is the only hope she's ever seen was Jesus. And so she's going to go to his tomb every day. The other women run off, and she, 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 she doesn't know how to rationalize the moment. There's nothing rational about it. She turns. She finds somewhere. I've been to that garden. She finds somewhere where they believe it is, and she sits among uh, that garden in that place where that's their ancient uh, uh, wine press, and she sits there maybe near that wine press, and as she, she collapses there in that garden, all of a sudden, her mind is trying to find a rationale. Can I just stop and say there is nothing rational about a revival of baptism? But my God has a way of specializing in the irrational, making it rational. Let me, let me get you there. She collapses and says she's sobbing. Where are you? I can't live without you. I, I don't care if you're alive. I don't care if you're dead. All I care is I need to know where you are. All of a sudden, the Bible says, and it's one of the most beautiful moments in all of time. Why is it one of the most beautiful? Most people read this moment, and they don't understand the beauty of the moment. They don't understand what was happening in this moment. Because, listen to me, they miss the fact that Jesus hears her cry. Well, of course Jesus heard her cry. No, what you're missing is the fact that when Jesus heard her cry, and I'm going to tell you that in just a moment, but listen to me. Jesus hears her cry, and, and, and when he shows up, he's in the middle of the greatest act of all time. Pastor Don, he's already died on a cross. Pastor Don, he's already uh, been uh, uh, laid in a tomb. He's already risen from the tomb. But listen to his words when he shows up and she finally realizes who he is. And I want to come back to her condition in a moment. But listen to his words when she finally realizes who he is. She turns to him and says, Robonai, my teacher. And as she reaches for him, he says, don't, don't touch me. Why? Why does he say, don't touch me? I'm telling you, there is nothing rational about this moment because Jesus is doing the work of the greatest work in all mankind for, every, for eternity. The Bible says, he says, don't touch me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. What that tells me is this, that he's still operating in the rank of the high priest at that moment. And what he's saying is, I'm still on the way to put my blood on the altar in heaven. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, as he's walking, as the earth is watching, am I making sense to anybody tonight? As the earth is, is shaking with joy, as heaven is resounding, he's coming home, he's coming home. All of a sudden, he stops somewhere. All of a sudden, he freezes and he says, Hold on. Hold on. 
Why does he say hold on? Because one who knew how to worship was about to go back under the burial pile. And he says, I don't marry dead people. I've got to go raise her back to life. Watch this. He shows up and he says, whoa, whoa, whoa don't touch me. But listen to the words before this. He says to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And then the scripture says, she sa it says, she supposing. Now listen to me carefully. She is weeping over her yesterday. She is weeping over what happened three days before at a, at a, a, on a place called Golgotha. She is weeping over the loss of joy. She is leaping, weeping over the, the loss of peace. She is weeping over every struggle. She's weeping saying, I'm never going back. I'm never going back. I'm never going back. But here's the problem. That all of a sudden, she's weeping over what was, and she's afraid that what was will prevent what she's seeking after a reason to go on living. She's afraid that what was, there's nothing rational about this moment she says that, 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 that they destroyed him and she she said listen just tell me what you did with him here's what I know she thought listen she was weeping she was seeking and she was supposing she thought she couldn't find what she saw because she supposed that what happened yesterday had destroyed what could happen today but there's nothing rational about the moment because Jesus in an irrational form and an irrational fashion said hold on heaven I'm gonna go down here and rescue this little girl because she cannot die again. I hope I'm making sense to somebody tonight. You see, at that moment when she turns to him and says, Rabboni, she realizes that nothing can bury my king. Now listen to me. I heard a quote some years ago or excuse me, some days ago, not years ago, I heard a quote some days ago that said, in every generation that has existed since the time of Christ, culture, faith, religion, all of the things that we hold sacred in our, our communities in every way, somehow, in every community, some way, and in every move, in every generation that they have, watch this, they have, they have amputated and crucified and buried the Christ again. I want to say that again. That in every error, there has been an effort to amputate, crucify, and bury the Christ. Probably the most prevalent in, for me in my life, you have to understand, I'm, I'm the grandson of sharecroppers, one from South Carolina, one from, from Georgia. My grandfather from Georgia, his father was ill at a very young age, so at about uh, third grade level, he had to take over the family farm. My grandfather didn't know Jesus most of his life. In his 50s, he found Christ, but he couldn't read anything. I'll never forget one day I got into his truck and I, I said to him, I said, Grandpa, why do you have a Bible in your truck? He said, son, what do you mean? I said, you can't read it. I didn't mean to be offensive. And he looked at me and said, that doesn't mean I can't get it. 
He popped open that Bible and he showed me. He said, I ride around this old farm checking on these cows. And I take that Bible and I put it right here and say, God, I maybe can't read it. But I want you to make me to get it. So one day I go to his home and my grandfather brings me a collection of, uh, of older books. And, and, and in that stack of books, I don't even remember what the others were, but there's a treasure for me in those stack of books. Because you see, in every generation they have amputated, crucified, and tried to bury my Savior. There's more to that quote. And the greatest example of that was found in those stacks because someone that we hold dear to us who penned our, uh, uh, the, our Declaration of Independence, uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Jefferson Abridged Bible or not, but, but I was privileged to be given a copy on that day by my grandfather. I don't know where he found it. I don't know how he got it. But he gave me a copy of that that was actually registered to Congress in the early 1900s. In there is Jefferson's copies of Jefferson's handwriting. In there is copies of, of Jefferson's personal Bible. In that Bible, it is called the Jefferson Bible because in that Bible, Jefferson had a problem with faith. He had a problem with the irrational. And so Jefferson took the scripture and he took a razor blade to the scripture and he would remove everything that seemed irrational. So in other words, if Jesus is teaching about a man with a, uh, it's teaching in a, what he's teaching about and suddenly a man with a withered hand, it, it, it draws his attention when, when he, he would leave in the moral teaching but take out the irrational healing. He would, he would cut those things up because you see, Jefferson said that Jesus was such a mighty man that if we will believe the teachings of this man who lived and died, we could create a utopia if we would all simply live by his teachings. And, and let me just explain to you why I'm bringing this to you right now. Because I really, really believe that in the church world that we live in today, in the society that we live in today, people don't mind the teachings of Jesus, but they have a problem with a resurrected king. They have a problem with one who can walk in in an irrational way and rationally change your life forever. And so where does Jefferson's Bible end? I would have brought it with me tonight, but it's become a treasure of mine and it's become rather fragile. But where does his Bible end? In the book of John with these words. And they rolled the stone before his tomb. Could you imagine that kind of faith? Could you imagine going to church and all we ever talk about is how to get your finances better? Could you imagine? I'm not trying to pick on others, but, but I, I'm just going to... I've studied revivals over this past month since I knew I was returning. And I've studied revivals, and the mark of revivals is when our faith leaves the realm of telling me just how to fix my marriage. And it leaves the realm of telling me how to fix my finances. And it leaves the realm of trailing me how to parent better. And it invites me into the realm that says Jesus can make your world better because he's alive. Now, y'all are in real trouble because somebody took down the clock. I was about to say close, but that tells me you want more. I'm like, they ain't giving me nothing back there. They're not helping me. How many of you give me five more minutes? Can I see your hand? Five, 10, 15, 20, 30. We're good. We're good. I've come to tell you 
the rest of that quote that has shaken my life. My friend Jonathan Barron shared that quote with our church. This quote that has shaken my life, that brought me to this message, that brought me to the irrationality of the moment. See, we, we, wanna, we even want to compartmentalize the fact that, that when Jesus rose from the dead, it was this quiet little moment in, 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 a, in a garden area with a tomb, and, and everybody had to spread the word. Can I tell you that you have not read what the word says? The word says that when he died, read the word, that when he died, that the graves of many saints came open and they arose and they walked around in Jerusalem. Let me, I mean, some of you are going, the Bible says that, get it out and read it for yourself. That many of them got up and walked around. Let me just tell you my version of that, okay? I'm imagining some joker sitting at his table and there's a knock on his door. And he gets up and goes to the door and he opens the door and there is his dead mother-in-law. He says, oh God, I was rid of you. She said, and I was happy being rid of you, but I'm gone for three months, and you killed the Son of God, boy. That's how radical the moment was. We imagine this quiet moment, people trying to get their lives back into, another, into normal, but there was nothing rational about the moment. Dead people were walking around saying, you killed the Messiah, but watch out, he's coming back. You may have killed him, you may have crucified him, but I just saw him in another place, and he's coming back. This is not in my sermon, but I feel like saying it tonight. I don't care how we try to rationalize him out of who he is. He is alive, and he's coming back. I said he's coming back. He's coming again. Because this is the power of the end of that quote. It says, every generation has amputated, crucified, and buried the Christ. But in every generation, he rises again. He rises again to show them his glory. He rises again to show them his power. Now let me close with this. I believe. Somebody sent me a message in Pastor, explain to me this baptism revival. You've been preaching over there. Is it even biblical? My Lord. It's irrational. But souls are being saved. People are being healed. I watched a man so bound with grief weep in there not too many days ago and I watched God healing and changing his life and I stood over there with my own tears. I'm going to tell you it may not be rational but it is a move of God. How do I know it? Because Jesus doesn't want you married to what's dead and he's not planning on marrying what's dead either. Because we don't marry. Oh, you don't even know what I'm preaching about. Let me say that again. We don't marry. Oh, come on now. I have preached too hard and too long for you to make me come back through this. I said we don't marry. And this is how the change happens. What is baptism? Pastor Don, you're just trying to get us in the baptistry. Yeah. 
This is the fifth time I preached this weekend. I didn't come here to play games with you. I didn't need an opportunity. I came with a word from the Lord. Let me get back over here. I was trying to preach at the baptistry. I might just jump in it. What is baptism? I don't mean any disrespect to what God's doing over here with, 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 with the fire that you feel inside of me right now, but I want you to get the basics. The reason we come into the water is because we're saying we are dead. Okay, watch this. I have been buried under a mountain of sin. I have committed sins. I have hurt people. People have hurt me. People have wounded you. You understand that story of that woman because you've had people pile the blankets of death up over you with every time they've harmed you. Life has wounded you. But this is the beauty of baptism. That when I go into the water, I am testifying to the fact that I am now dead to my old life. When I go under the water, come on now, I am buried with Christ. And when I come out of the water, every generation has amputated. That means they watered down his gospel crucified and tried to bury the Christ but in every I really believe what I'm about to say but in every generation he rises again when somebody says to me do you really think God would send a revival to Dawsonville Georgia it's almost like they were saying does anything good come out of Nazareth it doesn't make sense we're not supposed to be here tonight. We're, the, our churches are not supposed to be in the same building. We're not supposed to be interacting together. We're supposed to be part of an amputated, buried church. But I believe with every death, every burial, and every resurrection, he rises again. Stand with me all over this building. I believe God's speaking to us tonight. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel this prompting, don't wait long, don't wait long, don't wait long, don't wait long. I really believe he's rising, not only in these altars, and not only over there in that, but he's rising across this area because people are coming watch this people are watching people are coming in people are getting hungry for a move of God if I preach too long tonight I apologize but you can take it up with Pastor Todd later I want to talk to you for just a moment and then we're going to call and we're going to open the waters I told him Pastor why do you want me to preach just open the baptistry but now I know why because some of you are trying to rationalize why you would get it wet in front of everybody. And you're too buried under what somebody did to you, what somebody destroyed you by, 
how somebody walked out on you, how life threw you. Am I making sense to anybody? You're too buried under the pain to allow yourself to dare dream. You're weeping over yesterday, and you're seeking for a reason to get, go on. You're wondering why you shouldn't go back to dope. You're wondering why you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't turn back to the bottle. You're wondering why you're even in church, and, and you're seeking for a reason to keep going, and you're too busy supposing that your yesterday has messed up your reason to go on. But I've come to tell you, Jesus wants to take the death and give you life. It's that simple. Resurrection power. I want you to bow your heads all over this place. I'm willing in just a moment, I will pray with anybody who says, I need to be delivered from that spirit of death. I, I will pray with anybody who's, who says, I need freedom. But anybody who knows me knows that the greatest thing of every revival was the repentance of the church, the removal of the, the divisions, and the salvation of the lost. I don't need your help. Nobody looking around, nobody praying. Everybody praying, nobody, nobody eyes open. Everybody praying. Don't pray yet. We're about to pray now. Listen to me. God is here. I can tell you the significance of, of this message tonight sums up in that great passage of scripture that the apostle Paul wrote when he said this that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart the irrational the irrational fact that G that God raised him from the dead without faith Hebrews said wrote to us and said that without faith it is impossible to even come to God without my God I feel the Holy Ghost God's drawing somebody in this place God's drawing somebody who's watching God's speaking to somebody my goodness I feel the Holy Ghost if you came into this place tonight and you are buried under a bondage of sin you are buried under a curse and you say tonight I'm ready to come alive in Jesus I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior maybe you prayed a prayer maybe you joined the church maybe you prayed a prayer a prayer a thousand times would you say tonight the old man's dying and I'm coming alive and Jesus is gonna rise in this generation through you right now if that's you I'm not going to call you from where you are at this moment, but I want to see right where you are. I want to see your hands because collectively we as a body are going to deal with it. But watch this. Here we go. If you're here tonight or if you're watching, I want you to respond right where you are and I want you to let us know. But if you would say with me, Pastor, tonight I'm coming alive in Jesus. Tonight I'm going to know Jesus. And this is your moment. This is your time. I want you just to put your hand straight up in the air and I want you to hold it up high where I can see you. I see one. I see two. I see three. I see four. Come on now where are you I'm looking for the rest of you I see five come on now I see six come on I feel Jesus in this place are there more in this house tonight this is your moment this is your time this is the time hold them up high hold them up high because I want to be able to come back around to you thank you I see seven come on are there others I see eight well I feel the Holy Ghost of God I, I feel God in this place are there others tonight hallelujah I see nine I see ten are there others hold your hands up high hold them up high I'm waiting for somebody. I'm waiting for somebody. I'm waiting. Some of you are wanting to worship right now, but, but keep your hands down. Let those who fight Christ. Oh, I see God. God's already meeting some of you right where you are. Holy Ghost of the living God. All right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to reach over and grab the hand of someone next to you. Pastor Don, I'm ready to come to the front. No, no, we're going to make another call in just a moment. But listen to me. 
This is what the Bible says, that if we confess Jesus Christ with our mouth and his Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we would be born again. And now's the time. I want this collectively, wherever you are, whoever's watching, whoever's here, to pray with me now. Quickly, quickly, let's pray. And we're going to believe that Jesus is going to completely change their lives for all eternity. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promises. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I am dead in my sins. But tonight, I receive this gospel that Jesus came for me. He died for me. And now he lives forevermore. By faith, I receive your gift of salvation. And now, I declare... God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Amen and amen. Now come on, give God a praise like he deserves. Come on, give him a praise. Hallelujah. All right, watch this. Those eight, ten that got saved, and the others who came prepared tonight, listen to me. The the blood of Jesus just saved you. But the way you're going to testify to that is right over there in those waters, okay? You're going to... The devil's going to say you nothing changed in your prayer. And you're going to say, devil, it wasn't just my prayer. It was my testimony through baptism that I remind you I'm alive. I'm alive in Jesus. Is this all right? Who wants to be baptized tonight? Who wants to come and be baptized? Come on. Now's the time. Start moving from where I feel the Holy Ghost of God. Start moving from where you are. If you just gave, Pastor, I don't have any clothes. We have clothes. We have what you need. Pastor Don, I want to be free. This is your moment. This is your time. In every death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus rises again. Amen. Hallelujah, come on, celebrate with them tonight. They're coming from all over the building. He's alive. He's alive. All right, Pastor Don, I know I'm saved. I got baptized last week, but hell itself trying to tell you that it's not going to let you go. Can I tell you, oh, death, where is, come on now, that sting. Oh, grave, where are the victory of the things that have been defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ? Because he's alive. Pastor Don, there's nothing rational about this moment. They're still coming for baptism. Pastor Don, there's nothing rational about this moment. There's not, no, 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 it's not rational. It's completely irrational. But in the irrational, you're going to find the greatest rational of your life, rationale of your life. So I'd love to pray with you. If you've already been baptized and you need a move of God in your life, and we've got people who are ready to pray. We've got people who are ready to pray for you. These altars are open. Are you coming? Do you need to come and seek the face of God in the altars? Some are still going to baptism. But is there anyone who would say, I'm ready for freedom? Come on now. Man, I feel Jesus. 
Are they lined up? They can't even, can they not even get back there completely? Y'all better get ready. We're going to be here a while. Come on, help me pray. Is there another who said, it's my time to pray? I'm coming to the altar to pray. Don't wait on me to get down there yet. Altar workers, quickly, as they come, don't you carry what is true. If hell's been telling you I'm pulling you back, then you tonight walk up front and you leave whatever has you bound. Go toward the baptistry or come toward the altar and be free by the blood of Jesus. I hallelujah. I want prayer warriors. I need prayer leaders quickly to begin to get with these. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody in here, the devil told you that your calling is buried. God wants you to know that he's ready to resurrect that. Somebody in here, the devil told you your marriage was buried. God's wanting to resurrect that tonight. It's all about the risen Christ. Hell has no more power over those who are alive in Jesus. Hallelujah. Ready to, I'm ready to start praying for people, but I feel God's still drawing somebody. Where are you? The devil's told you that you're going to go back into what had you, but tonight you're going to find your freedom. When I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Start praying with me, church. Start praying with me. Let's create the atmosphere. Let's create the atmosphere. Come on. Let's create the atmosphere here tonight.
Let me have your attention, please. Bow your heads, please, for a moment. Close your eyes. What we're about to experience is supernatural. It's irrational. I can't define it. But the heaviness of the Lord right now is in this building. And I just want to speak to those of you that are at the altar. Everybody else, just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Those of you that are at the altar at this very moment. This may be your time to completely solidify what God is wanting to do and completely do in your life right now. Some of us need to have a funeral tonight. Do you hear me? We need to have a funeral. And you need to bury that old stuff, mindset, mentality, addictions, curses, bondages. You need to bury it. And let the Lord wash over you. And those of you that are at this altar, your next step may not need to be back toward your seat. It may need to be toward those baptismal waters. He is here. Right now, these altars are open. Keep coming. Keep responding, keep repenting, keep coming, keep responding, keep repenting. His glory, His presence, His fire. Keep coming. I just sense, I was standing there a few moments ago, the Lord spoke to me and He... he and I just felt there was 12 to 15 new people, new people that needed to respond. And about three or four came. So there's about 10 others that God is dealing with you about this. I want you to feel that freedom to come at any moment, at any time, as we're baptizing people. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Praise Him right now. Would you just give Him a hand clap? Would you give Him a hand clap of praise? Mm -hmm. Bless Him. Now listen to me. We're about to baptize people. Here's what we need you to do. Every individual that comes in that water needs our undivided focus and attention. So we're going to ask you to honor the moment, to reverence the moment, and to give your undivided focus to those individuals.
We're going to ask that there will be no one sitting on the platform up here, no children, please, at the very front, unless it's a relative, because we want all of the focus to be on the candidate that is being baptized. Is that fair enough? Just, just help us with that for just a moment tonight. I want to remind you that next Sunday night, Pat Schatzline will be preaching here all the way from Fort Worth, Texas. He's going to be here next Sunday night. I want you to be sure to make it. If you've not ever heard him preach, you need to hear him preach. He understands the revival. The following Sunday night on the 26th, I will be preaching that evening. It'll be the second time that I've preached during this revival. I really feel that the Lord has spoken to me about a message for the body of Christ. I want you to make sure that you're praying and here for that. That's the 26th. So the 19th, Pat Schatz line, I'll be preaching the 26th. Father, thank you for the opportunity to baptize these wonderful folks. We glorify what you're about to do in their lives. We, Lord, we honor what you spoke to us, that you said you'll baptize them with water and with fire. Lord, do a deep work in every heart, in every soul, in every life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Come on, let's give it up to the Lord right now, Pastor Marty. Come on.